Welcome to The Mortgage Voice with Jeff Barton, your voice in the mortgage industry. Each week on this program, Jeff and his guests share their expertise, personal anecdotes, and the latest industry news to keep you in the loop. Now to provide you with insight and help you navigate the consistently changing world of real estate lending, here is your host for The Mortgage Voice, Jeff Barton. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Jeff Barton, your voice in the mortgage industry. Thanks very much for tuning into the show, listening each and every week. We bring to you information about mortgages, about real estate, about what's going on in the state of the world economy that really will filter down to how you're going to you know, figure out what kind of mortgage you're going to get, where you're going to go to get it, and then how much is it going to cost. We've had many things happen in this last week which will affect your particular choices about where you go and what to do. Uh, the interest rates themselves, what happens at the Fed, what happens at the Treasury, the economy in general, what happens at the, the World Climate Summit, summit uh, the Chinese uh, real estate implosion possibly by uh, a couple of their big uh, developers. All of these things affect. Uh, now, some may, may think that uh, somehow it doesn't and that the mortgage rates here in the U.S. are insulated from that. But that those days are long, long gone. The world itself is so integrated, not only financially and not only politically, based on uh, the uh, pros and cons of whatever side or whatever particular cause you're on, all of these things are designed to operate, obviously, in uh, the least resistance uh, mode. And what do I mean by that? Okay, so what happens in China? And people say, why, why does it even matter? Well, because what happens in China, and right now they're going through an energy crisis, which is why you're seeing the gas prices here in the U.S. go up. When gas prices go up from, you know, three bucks a barrel, uh, three bucks a, a gallon to four bucks a gallon, a gallon, well, that money taken out of your pocket now can't be spent towards your mortgage. Now, you may not think it's a lot, but per gallon, how many gallons a week, how many miles a week you ride around uh, either to work or from work or leisurely travel, all of this is how it affects you on a daily. It doesn't show up easily because you have to figure it. Um, the energy crisis, let's talk about that for a second. Okay, so we see U.S. energy um, and the cost of what they call the Brent crude oil oil barrel barrel of oil is about 83 bucks a day 83 bucks a barrel today and that is high uh when you consider a year ago it was about 40 45 dollars a barrel so we've seen that obviously the pandemic and killed all kinds of uh need for oil all kinds of demand that's why the price went down prices are back up because obviously the world is trying to gear up now Let's go back to China. In China itself, they have gone from an agrarian society to a one of an urban society, a middle-class society, and they generate about 60-65% of their GDP through their own use. In the U.S., that's more like 75-80% of GDP is within the, cons con uh, yes, the consumption of the U.S. consumer. Those numbers so dwarf what goes on in the rest of the world because of the fact that China has a billion two, the U.S. at 320, 330 million people. These numbers are huge. Now, the U.S. still is such a large um, economy that it really rules, and it rules because of domestic consumption. We don't really make stuff that sells around the world, and that particular stuff that we make that sells around the world really doesn't affect our, our market here in the U.S. I mean, we have some big industries, obviously the audio industry and energy. I, m I mentioned it. We export oil, if you can imagine, but we do. We export oil to a number of different countries. Uh, obviously, our agriculture is some of the highest yields in the world. And we export a lot of that. And plus our raw materials. All of these things get sold to China. All those things that get sold to China get sent to China on container ships, container ships that you see off the coast of Los Angeles or New York or New Orleans or on any number of ports in the U.S. that are sitting there, and those are what coming back. All of these things that we talk about in terms of the world economy and how it affects you. China, on the other hand, this is new for them. As I said, they have gone from an agrarian society where 90% of the people lived and worked within two or three miles of where they were born. That's where they're going to die. Well, now you've got this huge shift over the last 40 to 60 years. And as Charles Munger said, and everyone knows him as the partner for uh, 
Berkshire Hathaway, he says, look, what they've done is unprecedented in the world. It has never happened before. And I point out show after show that the largest real estate boom in the world, in the history of the world, has happened during the last 10 to 15 years in China. Now, we know, based on the show, if you listen, that those Chinese development companies are now facing huge debt issues. The debt issues for the top 30, 35 of these developer, these big ones, uh, Evergrande is the big name everybody knows about, but there's two dozen more that are just right behind it. They are issuing bonds now, corporate bonds, at 20%. Now, when it hits 20%, those are called junk bonds. Now, in the U.S., when we were in the financial crisis of 2007, 2008, we had a lot of companies that issued corporate bonds in order to be able to fund the operations until they became profitable again. These companies in China, these development companies, are in big trouble unless the government steps in and does something. But they are not going to do it. And so there's an issue there with what happens in China affecting what happens here in the U.S., Demand for U.S. goods, although not a huge part of the U.S. economy, still can affect how you are uh, going to pay for your mortgages. Why? Because the products bought and sold here in the U.S. plus overseas brings jobs to you. Now, we've had a quit rate here in the U.S., which is unbelievable. Everybody knows about it. million people quit. People who are baby boomers, my generation, they are retiring early. It's one of the reasons we have a shortage of workers. And now with a shortage of workers, we also have a shortage of income coming into the federal government, which is why they've been printing like mad the Fed as well as the Treasury together, printing money in order to pay for all this stuff. So what does this really mean to you? You're out there, you're trying to, you're working, you probably have a good job, hey, by the way, if you're in the labor market right now and you're looking for a job or if you have a job and you're looking for another job or if you're looking to get a raise at your job, do it judiciously. Do your research. Figure out what it is that you exactly want and where you want to go with the current company or the new company you want to go to. If you have a plan and you go in there with some set goals of where you want to be in five years, you're more than likely to be able to succeed in your job search and in your job hire. I'm an employer. I work for a company called Malibu Funding. They sponsor the show. 79620 is their MLS number. They're they're, it's a good company, but when I go in to negotiate with them, I have to have a plan in mind of where I want to be in four or five years so that I can say, look, I need this salary to go to this salary, and here's what I'm going to do to produce the amount of work you need in order to get there. And that, because it is uh, straightforward and it is a company that needs me, I'll probably get what I want. You can do the same thing. All of these things, the inflation on capital, the inflation on employment, the inflation on goods bought and sold around the world because of, as I said, the containers sitting on ships, the demand in China taking uh, raw materials from the U.S., and the consumption in China based on being a middle-class society and what happens to the implosion of these huge real estate development companies, all of this is going to affect the mortgage interest rates. It's why we're seeing right now tapering in the U.S. What does that mean? The lessening of the $120 billion a month that they've been buying with treasuries and mortgage-backed securities, that means higher interest rates. And it means higher interest rates simply because we don't want to see prices rise anymore. Let's face it, if you're a Democrat right now, prices are killing your chances of remaining in office. If you're a Republican right now, they are just killing your constituents. We need to stop the inflation at the same time grow the economy. This is a quagmire. I got about 17 topics in front of me. I really appreciate everybody listening to the show. By the way, you can hear this show, see this show, and you can, you know, uh, see it on LinkedIn and Facebook on a daily almost, uh, Instagram, Twitter, certainly at Jeff6493. We are on a number of different radio stations from Albuquerque, New Mexico, all the way up to Las Vegas, Nevada, and Tahoe, uh, Lake Tahoe, California, Nevada. Uh, we're in the Inland Empire in Southern California as well. I'm Jeff Barton, your voice in the mortgage industry. Really appreciate you tuning in, and we will be right back. You're listening to The Mortgage Voice with Jeff Barton. We'll be right back with more in just a moment. For more information on today's topic, email Jeff Barton at info at malibufunding.net. Now, back to The Mortgage Voice with your host, Jeff Barton. 
Welcome back, everybody. I'm Jeff Barton, your voice in the mortgage industry. Thanks very much for tuning in, for listening to the show. We're on a number of different stations in a number of different states, and I really appreciate all our listeners. Different demographics, different places uh, yield different kinds of problems, but uh, as a whole, most people are looking for the cheapest loan in the ch- at the quickest time. Uh, I've heard some really ridiculous time frames in terms of uh, the length it takes somebody to close a loan. I've also heard the opposite, how quickly it is uh, to get a loan done. So really depends on the professional that you work with. Those professionals really uh, are difficult to ferret out, especially if you don't know anything. That's the reason the show exists. We bring those kind of people to you on a weekly basis. Connie Hernandez joins us now from PMA. She is one of those people. And I, I really appreciate her. And uh, Connie, thanks for coming back on the show. Thank you, Jeff, for having me. Okay, excellent. Let's let's start with a, a quick and easy, um, how far are the rates going to rise? No, I'm, I'm joking. Obviously, that's not a, an easy question to ask. <laughs> I but get my little crystal. Yes, <laughs> exactly. So tell me, uh, what, what do you think? I mean, obviously, we've got taper happening, and obviously, we probably will have some rate rises uh where where they go and how fast they go um i guess this is a a a way by which to say are you telling your clients to lock now Uh, you absolutely and unfortunately just uh, i want to say just maybe a few weeks ago when some of them should have locked they didn't so now they're you know they could probably wish they had (laughs) right unfortunately you know the times are different now and you know, people are starting to go back to work. Uh, as you and I know, the gas prices are yep. a little bit higher now. So uh, with that being said, I mean, you know, there's still volume out there, not not as um, not as busy as it was a couple of months ago, you know, and the rates were a lot more aggressive. Right. Uh, what, I, what I am seeing is I'm seeing more loans going over to non-QM programs. Right. Or I shouldn't say going over. I'm just seeing more non-QM loans now than I have last year or the year before. And uh, explain non-QM for people. I know there are many people who listen every week, and we talk about it a lot. But there are some people that have never listened to the show. What is a non-QM loan? Sure, no problem. So a non-QM loan is basically the best way to, to describe it. It's a non-traditional loan. Your traditional loans, you're going to be working with banks that have your um, loans that are eventually possibly going to be sold to Fannie Freddie. And under those terms, you know, you have to show your full tax returns, your ability of income that you show, your credit has to be in fair standing. And obviously your debt-to-income ratios are really important. So it's more like a full documented loan. Non-QM loans are designed for those people that are self-employed, that, you know, obviously the more business they generate, the more income they generate, and they're not exactly uh, showing their full tax returns, but they are showing the ability to pay the mortgage with larger deposits in their business bank accounts or personal bank accounts, depending on how their business is structured. So in a nutshell, they're they're pretty much, um, obviously we still verify and care about credit, but it's not something that is going to be uh, really looked at sternly the way it would for even an FHA nowadays. So an FHA is a government loan. I'm sure a lot of people are familiar with those. Right. And the non-QM loans also, you know, they don't have the interest rates that you would get on a normal um, conforming or FHA loan, conventional loans. But there's a trade-off that you don't have to disclose your full tax returns. Right, and I think that's attractive to people. And there's there's a number of different non-QMs loans like the loan you're talking about, which gives a greater number of borrowers who can't fit into what Fannie Mae and Freddie Mae will buy. Obviously, those types of borrowers, there, there are still a lot of them. 25% of the market currently is made up of non-QM market uh, market buyers or refinancers. Uh, and let's talk cost in the non-QM sector because everybody is so, you know, uh, I guess they're looking for whatever the cheapest loan is at the lowest price. Give us an idea of pricing on these non-QM. Well, non-QM does work similar to how a conventional loan would work. Obviously, the better FICO score you have, the more attractive rate you're going to get. 
some more down payment. I mean, these types of loans, if you're doing a purchase, for example, you're not going to get a 3% down payment on this type of loan. You know, right. they're traditionally going to request 10% down minimum, in some cases up to 15% down minimum. So with that being said, the rates can vary. Again, if you have like close to 800 FICO scores, you can still get like a 3.99. Right. But obviously you're going to have to have strong reserves and your ratios are going to have to be in line. Again, similar to how we would look at a conventional, traditional loan, we're just not looking at the actual tax returns filed. Right. Okay. So uh, given that there is more opportunity for those types of borrowers, the, the main thing here for people buying real estate is, is their real estate more plentiful today or less plentiful? And are the prices stabilizing so at least we can see that, okay, if I have to go the non-QM route, I can afford it because the prices have stopped going up at 10% a year, 20% a year. Where are we in this? I would say that the, the prices are steady right now. Okay. I haven't really seen any drastic increases in a month. Like if you remember a few months ago, you know, you list your property today and all of a sudden, you know, because of all these multiple offers on so many properties, right. your property goes up ten, fifteen thousand 15000 in two, three months, right. which is, I think, unheard of. Unheard of, right. A little bit, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> and a little bit... Um, I don't know, a little bit crazy, but that just is what the market was doing. I don't really see that right now. I think that the prices where um, we're probably at very, very close to a max peak everywhere, and now it's just um, a matter of, you know, the inventory, you know, coming back, which I think it will. And with that, obviously, we'll probably have an increase in rates. Yeah, I, I think that that's a given. Um, I don't know if we're going to see, you know, 20% rise in the value of your home over the last two years like it's been. I don't think that's a sustainable number nor a good thing. But for people who are getting in now who are looking to obviously gain equity in their home, what are you telling them? Well, I'm telling them that this is your long-term home, your dream right. home, and this is where you want to be for a while and invest, your, you know, have your, invest yourself into it and then it's a good time to buy now. Because at the end of the day, if you wait later, the prices may drop, but the interest rates are also going to go up. Yep. So you're going to be in, this in the same boat. That's it's the, just a matter right. of, if this is the right home for you, I would I would move forward. Yeah. If this is a home you're looking at as an investment and you think you're going to sell it in three months, I would think again. Yeah, I agree. And it, well... I guess conversely, if you're looking to buy something and hold it for a while and rent it out, do you think that market is good? I mean, I don't know where rents are, but they had been going up quite steadily through the pandemic. Well, I think rents are going to maintain more so than prices. I see. Because we still have a huge housing issue. So I think the, the rents are, are it's difficult to find housing right now. And what I'm actually seeing, which, you know, I I don't know if you're seeing it in your area, but I'm actually seeing, you know, people making decisions, you know, kind of of difficult decisions, but family members are joining forces and buying, or not buying, but renting a nicer home with a higher rent because they want to stay in that area. So rent... You know, as long as it's it's allowed from the landlord, I think rents are going to maintain themselves for for a bit more until they do something about you know building new affordable housing. Yeah, I don't know if that's going to happen, and I think that there's also some sentiment out there that uh, at one point we're going to have this baby boomer generation gone, and then we're going to have too much housing. But that's for another day. Could you tell people where you work and uh, how to get a hold of you? That'd be awesome. Sure, absolutely. Um, we're in downtown Covina, 101 North Citrus Avenue. We're in the corner of Bedillo and uh, uh, Bedillo and Citrus. This is in California, yes, right? This is in California. Yes, it is yes. in California. Excellent. Perfect. <laughs> I forget, Jeff. We're all over the place. We're all... <laughs> yes, we are. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but, yes, I'm in downtown Covina, 101 North Citrus. Bedillo and Citrus is the corner. I can be reached at area code 626-422-2017. 
Connie, thanks once again for coming on the show. Great information as always. Appreciate it. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you very much. That's Connie Hernandez from PMA. I'm Jeff Barton, your voice in the mortgage industry. We'll be right back. You're listening to The Mortgage Voice with Jeff Barton. We'll be right back with more in just a moment. For more information on today's topic, email Jeff Barton at info at malibufunding.net. Now, back to The Mortgage Voice with your host, Jeff Barton. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Jeff Barton, your voice in the mortgage industry. Thanks very much for tuning in to the show. This is The Mortgage Voice, and you've been tuned in. If you tune in this week, tune in next week, too. We're on the same channels that you're listening to right now every week. Sometimes we're on two or three times a week on this station, so you have to check the listings. But certainly in this time slot, we are here. We talk about real estate. We talk about mortgages, the products that are available out there. We try to bring to you experts in the field, and uh, certainly that doesn't include me in all areas. Some areas, yeah. Most areas, no. So we bring those experts to you. Uh, And from um, real estate to mortgages, uh, this has been a very interesting summer into fall and soon to be into 2022. Wow, 2022. Where does the time go? I can remember just yesterday when Malibu Funding, the company that I worked for, started, and that was back in 1999. So, yes, it's been a quick 22 for me. Anyway, I appreciate you listening, and thank you very much. We welcome to the show Robert Perez, and he comes from, uh, what's the name of your company? Because I forgot it again, Robert. I apologize. No, no, that's okay. It's uh, Avernas Realty. We're based out of Pasadena. Okay, excellent. Avernas uh, Realty, and that's Pasadena, California. Uh, the radio show, of course, is down in Albuquerque all the way up to uh, Las Vegas, Nevada. Certainly in uh, Lake Tahoe and uh, in the Inland Empire. This would be parts of Los Angeles, and we really appreciate you coming on the show. I was, <laughs> I'm a I like social media. I like it for many different reasons. And they all have their different ways by which they can affect you. I saw your post the other day. I want you to tell people about this gentleman, how you helped him, what he did with the investment, and how it's turned out. Um, Thank you, Robert. I appreciate that. No, correct. Thanks a lot, Jeff, for having me on your show. Sure. Uh, So... So one of the, well, th- this is actually uh, uh, it's it, a lot of the stories that that we do in real estate is always it, it always comes out being helpful. But this particular time, I was introduced to this gentleman. Uh, I don't want to say he was just barely making it, but he was just uh, Social Security income only coming in. Right. And he owned this house, and the house was a complete mess. And we do a lot of business in in Riverside County, so a friend of ours that was in the same community said, oh, this guy's having trouble. Would you like to uh, introduce, int- you know, be introduced to him? Maybe you can buy his house. So I meet him. We negotiate a little bit. I end up buying this house. This was five years ago. So I end up buying this house for $117,000. Uh, as is, I told him, we don't, have to, uh, we don't have to do anything. Just go in and, uh, and we'll close escrow. I allowed him to stay in the home for two months while he found another property. He wanted to go back east. So... Uh, you know, talking about putting your money to work, we ended up buying the house for 117. A few months later, we sold the house for 180. We walked away with sixty thousand dollars, right? So, uh, you know, if the story ended there. It would be like, wow, another flip, another flipper. You know, yep. uh, bought a house, fixed it up, and made money. But the actual good story right. is what this gentleman did with his proceeds. He ended up taking this hundred and seventeen thousand. He had about twenty thousand dollars already saved up throughout his life. He was a gentleman in his in his early seventies, and he moved to Tennessee. Immediately, he bought three units, and I think he bought them for one hundred and twenty thousand. So now he's already out of pocket a couple of dollars. He rented. Uh, he he bought them cash. He rented them out with the money that he had coming in from the rents on the three units. He ended up going down to a, a lake area and rented a house, maybe a, a block away from the lake. But I remember him telling me, he's like, my backyard looks right into the lake. So the rent that's coming in from his units are now paying for his rental and paying for the rest of his life, really. And, you know, wh- when I share that story, some people, uh, they look at the coin from, from both sides and they're like, well, but... What other people don't pay the rent and this and that? And, and I always remind people, those units are paid off. In worst right. case scenario, you put new tenants in there, or you move into it yourself until you are able to get good tenants. But the other side of that coin, Jeff, is most people do pay their rent on time. Most right. people are on time. They're, they're long-time tenants. They're not, they, they stay there, and they pay all the time, and they're never late. And if that's the case for him, 
he'll get to spend the rest of his life overlooking this lake and thinking back on what a great life he had. And at the right. end, it, it worked out really good for him. It worked out good for me, too, but not as well as he did. Um, but it is one of those feel-good stories, yep. for sure. And I'm, I'm, I'm glad you asked me to share that. No, I like it. I like it very much. You know, as I often tell people, there's so much more that we can talk about that we can agree upon in anything, especially when, look, you're an investor, you bought the guy's house, he turned around, turned that into a lifestyle that he couldn't have afforded in a, in a rundown house in, out in the San Bernardino Riverside area. And Correct. That's a that's a good thing, and I'm sure the people that bought the house and you made some money, I'm sure they're happy with their house right now oh, because there, was, yeah, this was five years ago. Right. We continue we continue to invest in that little neighborhood, and now I think that I think the cheapest house on the market now is two hundred and seventy thousand so dollars. Right. It's, it's, the, all the properties have gone up, and right. one of the things I was looking, I was. I was listening to another show that you had from last week. Um, I think the lender was from Orion or something. Uh-huh. And you guys were talking about how the market, how the market is changing, you know. And, right. And the market, yeah, the market is changing. But one of the things that people can think about, or the public can think about, is, you know, if, if, if you if you think that the market is going to take a turn for the worse, would you rather? You have to ask yourself: Would you rather borrow half a million dollars at two point seven five percent interest rate? Or wait for the market to slow down and borrow three hundred and seventy-five thousand dollars at five percent interest rate. Right, I know yeah, that you're, you're going to pay a lot more money for that three seventy-five than the five hundred thousand. So I think today's market, even though rates are going up, today's market is still strong. And if the banks are lending money, it's always a good time to borrow. Always. Well, that that's interesting. Are banks and will they continue to borrow if, in fact, we have a credit squeeze and that's put in artificial, just like the, the artificial dollars that were pumped into the economy because of COVID, if they now get taken out of the economy and lending standards increase or get tighter, what's that going to mean for a borrower? I always say, look, if you can do it now, do it now. What? There's no reason to wait. I agree. Yeah. I agree. Everybody always looks back and says, oh, you know, you bought way back when. You know, my, my parents paid, I mean, we're going on one story to another, but when sure. my parents first got to the United States, they bought their house for double what it was worth. Right. Uh, and they paid $60,000. Later on, I found out that the neighbor was trying to buy the house for $30,000, and uh, and he backed out of it because the garage was burned down. But my parents saw value, and uh, and they bought the house for 60000 in 1980. Wow. Later on down the line, we ended up, you know, doing a little bit of rehab on the house and selling it for six hundred and I think six hundred and forty thousand. Oh my gosh! You know, with that, yeah, with that, my parents ended up retiring, but and they did the same thing. They bought a rental. My mom lives for free where she lives. She lives in she lives in in, in paradise. You know what I mean? In one of the neighborhoods out there in Riverside. Yep. And uh, the rental that she has pays for her lifestyle. The same thing that this guy did. Yeah, I you think. Know, but the point is, you have to buy now. You, you, if the rates are low today, if you wait for the market to go down, then adjustments will happen. The market will adjust. The houses will be a little bit cheaper, but the money will not be as cheap. It'll, it's going to cost you a little bit more on the rate. You know, if you just ten, twelve years ago, interest rates were at six and a half, yep. and, and you would, you would, you know, who knows what you'd have to give to get that six and a half percent interest rate. Well, right, so, and, and as rates rise, obviously the. Um, uh, the standards by which you you get that money are going to tighten as well. So it's not just the exactly. rate; it's what you have to do, like you said, to get that rate, right? Exactly, exactly. Yeah, you were happy to get that six right. and a half. That's you sure but were. Now, if you can borrow a little bit more for a lot less, it's definitely worth it. I know that we got on the phone to to, to talk about one story, but I wanted to make sure that I that I that I touched that I touched on that. Because Please. Uh, there's a lot of conversation of oh I'm gonna wait I'm gonna wait for the market to adjust but there's been people for the waiting for the market to adjust since 2016. Yep, <laughs> you know? it's done a lot of and adjusting since. Yeah, it's it keeps adjusting downward, but I do think that the rates will rise. <laughs> and if you have a, a property in mind and you're, you're considering it. Strongly consider it. Get out there. Maybe borrow some money from family members for the down payment. But getting into the market now is the best thing that you probably could do because, as I say, not only the rate but also getting the rate is going to be difficult. So take advantage. Definitely. While and there's a lot, there's a lot of good people that call into your show. Like I said, I was listening to your show from last week, and the and the gal was from, uh, or she was the 
she was a sales manager, not the guest. She was a sales manager, and I, I want to say it was from Orion. I Michelle Wild, that's wrong, who it was. But, but I, I work, I work with one of the vendors at at uh, at at, uh, at at Malibu Funding, and it works out. It works out great. There's a lot great. of people that come on your show that you can build a team on, and once you build your team, these people will work for you. They'll, you know, they they, they want to earn the commission, so they'll work for you and they'll steer you in the right direction. Uh, Robert, could you shout out a way by which people can get in touch with you? Thank you, Jeff. So one way is by telephone. Just call me direct. My number is 951-AREA-CODE, 538-4148. Of course, social media, the Robert Perez at Instagram or at Facebook. It's just the and then Robert Perez. You'll see me there. I'm wearing a nice vest and a tie. Nice. (laughs) Absolutely. And you can also see him on the how-to side of the Malibu uh, mortgage show, which is, of course, the show that you're listening to now, Jeff Barton, the Mortgage Voice. You've done a couple of videos there for us, too. Robert, thanks for coming on the show. Great story. Appreciate it a lot. Thanks a lot, Jeff. Talk to you soon. We'll talk to you soon. That's Robert Perez, and I'm Jeff Barton, your voice in the mortgage industry. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Mortgage Voice with Jeff Barton. We'll be right back with more in just a moment. For more information on today's topic, email Jeff Barton at info at malibufunding.net. Now, back to The Mortgage Voice with your host, Jeff Barton. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Jeff Barton, your voice in the mortgage industry. Thanks very much for tuning in to the show, for listening each and every week. We're on a number of different stations. We're from Albuquerque to Las Vegas to Tahoe, down into the Inland Empire in Southern California. Yes, we are all over the place. We're on a number of different podcasts. Daryl, you got that list for us, please? Sure do, Jeff. We're on uh, podclips.io, YouTube, radio.com, iHeartMedia, Stitcher, Spreaker, Spotify, and Apple Podcast. Excellent. And if you want to see us, obviously we shoot this for TV as well. Go to YouTube, Jeff Barton, The Mortgage Voice. You can see this as well as hundreds of other shows, all kinds of historical data in there, what they call... uh, uh, relevant data that doesn't go stale because uh, the rates change, although the rates haven't really changed all that much in the last couple of months anyway. Uh, we are going to see some tightening, as everybody knows, but I don't know as much as the, my next guest. My next guest has uh, worked for a number of different lenders now with Caliber. Uh, really appreciate him coming on. Noah Schiffman, how are you? I'm good, Jeff. How are you today? I'm fine, thank you. Let me know how it is working over at Caliber, what the company offers, and uh, what you think might bring to the borrowers some of the answers that they're looking for. Absolutely. Well, I'm super excited to be back on the show. Thanks for having me again. Sure. And I'm super excited about Caliber, and I'll tell you, for those that that are listening that don't know, I previously worked for New Res Wholesale. New residential, our company, we purchased Caliber, and we have merged with Caliber Home Loans. So New Res, and if you have a mortgage statement from New Res, we have merged with Caliber and are taking on the whole Caliber name in wholesale. This is extremely exciting because it's huge industry news, one of the biggest mergers in recent history uh, in the mortgage industry. And that's huge because you have two top, lend- two top ten lenders combining their efforts together uh, and quite honestly, we, we complement each other in, in so many ways. But how this is going to be important moving forward, other than the new products and programs and enhancements and all of that you're going to see because of the power behind the new Res Caliber name, uh, is our servicing. So both new Res and Caliber had very large servicing platforms. And you put those behind one company, it makes us even stronger uh, for longevity uh, to weather the storm. You just yep. mentioned, of course, everybody's expecting rates to go up and, yep. and margins to tighten and all of that. Well, we're backed essentially by a REIT, and that is big, big news for, for us and for our broker partners and our borrowers because that gives us power. Um, most of the top lenders out there are not backed by a REIT, and a REIT is a real estate, um, uh, real estate investment trust which essentially means that we service and we have a a servicing of a lot of mortgage-backed securities, right? So we handle the payments for the borrowers. Uh, And and that gives a lender a lot of power, um, meaning a lot of power internally to be able to kind of uh, embrace the storm, so to speak, if there Mm -hmm. is one. And Mm -hmm. it it just gives us staying power, uh, which is huge. You want to be with a lender that, that... you know, has stability, which that gives us. And we are now two top 10 lenders. That puts us 
you know, volume-wise in the top four, and, and we have our sights set on higher and higher. So a lot of growth here at Caliber, and we're super excited about it. Now, some of the uh, competition that you're um, coming up against are heavily invested in technology. Tell us a little bit about how your investment or, or what you're planning to do in order to push the process more quickly and drive down costs. Absolutely. So I think, you know, there's three things that are super important for lenders in this environment, in the in the mortgage industry, right? Right. Um Process, product, and price, right? Those are the three three P's I always talk about. Process, product, and price. So process being technology and also your, your personnel process, right? Um, and then process goes in with that, and then pricing, of course, everybody's interested in that. But technology being the key factor here, anyone that's not, as far as lenders are concerned, that is not investing in technology these days is, is going to be left behind. But I think it's super important that there's a marriage between technology and process, meaning the people that are working behind it, right? You, right? you want a marriage of those two. You don't want technology to take over so that there's no personal touch, um, but you want, you know, 21st century or 22nd century uh, type technology so that you can move quickly, you can be agile. So we are investing a lot um a lot of money into tech, and as a matter of fact, specifically, there's a lot of stuff always going on internally that the end user or even the broker doesn't see, but we are rolling out and uh, a new platform, what we call a loan operating system. So our current platform is called H2O, and we started integrating our new system called Blueprint. Uh, it's being rolled out in stages, um, so it's not to, one, overload anybody with information, but two, also rolling it out as we make sure every process, you know, is tested and, and, and working correctly. So the cool thing about Blueprint is it makes our process even that much more streamlined, very current. It looks, you know, if you want to think of it this way, looking more like an iPad versus uh, a laptop, you right. know, that you would think of, like an old like DOS a PC, or something sure. like that. A uh-huh. lot of loan systems it seems like we're written when DOS was around, right? So they're kind of dinosaurs and you build things on top of them. So this blueprint uh, is very slick uh, and we're rolling out actually our next phase uh, next week, next Friday. So very excited about that. Okay, so uh, technology, people, products, the competition, you guys merging obviously to get ahead of the curve in terms of you know what's pending, which is obviously a slowdown in the business and either consolidation or people being bought out. So you're really well positioned. Give us some of the products that you're proud of and, and that you think will be a, a real success. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, historically, Caliber has been known, uh, I think, unparalleled as, as far as VA lending is concerned. Okay. Uh, we pride ourselves on VA lending. Um, we have, I think, the best um, support team for VA and, and, and actually the guy that heads up our support team worked for the VA for 20 years and helped write help write some of their guides and work on the Blue Water Water Act and all of that. So VA has always been very strong at Caliber. Caliber has also always been known as a purchase lender. That's super important yep. moving forward in this market. We've seen a, an amazing run the last two years in the refinance market, but right. that is slowly coming to an end, uh, and we're going back to a purchase market. And Caliber has never wavered from that. We very much... Uh, focus on close of escrows or what's the acronym COEs right. in the mortgage industry. Right. So we we weigh heavily on those. We do not, do not miss COEs and we're very proud of that. So we are a purchase lender. What we're bringing I think moving forward and this comes from the new res side and this is a, a huge in this merger is our non-QM product portfolio. And you and I have talked about that before. Yep. We call it our smart series products. And we have three tentpole products for our smart series, which is non-QM. And these programs are important because they're alternative products moving forward. Our industry always finds a way, right? So whenever, when rates are low, obviously business is booming. When rates aren't so great or are in an increasing market, there's always some kind of uh, alternative financing or something to help people through those times, and the non-QM is the future right now. It's going to be purchase, money, cash out, and non-QM. Those are the hot buttons moving forward in the rate in, uh, increasing environment. So our three products, we have a near-miss, 
So it's a near-miss jumbo or agency program. It's full doc, but, you know, you have higher DPIs. You can do non-warrantable condos type stuff, um, higher LTVs, lower ICOs, interest-only options, those types of things. I see. No, we that's... have our Smart Self program, which is our bank statement program. This is by far the most exciting and most popular program that we offer. It's Everybody's talking about bank statements out there, but what's amazing is so many self-employed borrowers still don't know that they have this option. They still don't think that they have a good A-paper-type financing option out there because they're self-employed. That's right. not true. The bank statement program is an awesome alternative and, and, and uh, borrowing option for self-employed borrowers. The way that works, you take your business bank statements or personal bank statements you look at the deposits, so we're seeing an actual cash flow. These are great loans. They deliver well. Um, people with decent credit and all these are high-profile borrowers that have not been able to get loans. This is an opportunity for them to get great loans with great rates and interest-only options as well. So hey, Noah. Awesome program. And <coughs> yes, sir. We're up against it. Can you tell people how they can get in touch with you if they want to talk to you about some of these options and programs some way by which they can get more information? Absolutely. Uh, you can always go to CaliberHomeLoans.com, uh, CaliberWholesale.com, excuse me, or you can reach out to me at Noah.Shuffman, that's N-O-A-H dot Shuffman, S-C-H-U-F-F-M-A-N, at CaliberHomeLoans.com. Excellent. Noah, thank you very much. Great information, really terrific, and congratulations on the merger and, and your success. Well, thank you very much. We're excited to work with you. Great, and I'll talk to you on Tuesday. That's great. All right. Thanks, Jeff. Thank you very much. I'm Jeff Barton, your voice in the mortgage industry. We'll be right back. You're listening to The Mortgage Voice with Jeff Barton. We'll be right back with more in just a moment. For more information on today's topic, email Jeff Barton at info at malibufunding.net. Now, back to The Mortgage Voice with your host, Jeff Barton. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Jeff Barton, your voice in the mortgage industry, and thanks for tuning in. You can hear us, see us. Uh, hey, if you go to YouTube, Jeff Barton, The Mortgage Voice, you can see this show. You can see my face. You can't see Daryl. He's over there. I don't know what he... Well, you should put him on camera. I agree. We're trying to get a little bit of different setup, and we might have that sooner than later. Daryl, what kind of uh, podcast are we on, please? We're on some pretty darn good ones, matter of fact. It's, Excellent. Uh, podclips.io, uh, YouTube, radio.com, iHeartMedia, Stitcher, Spreaker, Spotify. Google Music Play, and uh, Apple Podcasts. Excellent. That podclips.io is a great place where you can find all kinds of podcasts. In one place, kind of a one-stop shop, finance, health, sports, um, lifestyle, all kinds of things there. And if you go there, I'm in the finance section, Jeff Barton. But you can see, like I say, many different podcasters. Check it out, podclips.io. I am Jeff Barton. YouTube is a good place to see me, Jeff Barton, the mortgage voice. And as I said, we're on a number of different radio stations uh, across a number of different platforms on LinkedIn and all kinds of social media. We're trying to adopt to TikTok, although I can't dance, I can't sing, I don't tell funny jokes, and I don't really have an interesting story, and I certainly look over the hill. So this is not my medium. However, because of all that, I'm going to make it my medium. I just haven't done it yet. Let's get right to it. News to use section in the show. Rates, 3.14 is the 30-year fix, 2.53 is the 15, 2.75 is FHA, 3.10 is the jumbo, and 3.00 is the 5-1 arm. The 10-year yield is 1.547. These are all averages that you will be hearing this show on the weekend, so obviously the markets aren't open uh, at that time, but they are as of airing or as of the... Uh, recording of the show all of these things are down the, the rates are down and the yield is also down not by a lot but by some we've seen some price adjustments based on what's happening um the fed obviously tapering uh we might see a quick taper versus a long extended taper and we also might see uh the rates rise in terms of what the fed or the uh treasury lends out to their member banks uh we've heard rumblings about it but we see inflation now a little bit differently than the the explanation that was told to us earlier a uh, couple months ago about uh, six weeks ago and, and i was a proponent of it still am for the most part i still think that the bottlenecks and the uh, uh 
of, of where goods are and why they're not getting to where they need to get. But the world is, oh man, it is complex. It is complex economically because anything, pick up anything in your house, look at it, ask yourself, where is this made? Where is the design? Where is the manufacture? Where is the packaging? Where is the shipping? And you will find in that short chain, five or six things, there's probably a hundred different suppliers and they come from all over the world. And to get those things to market to you, is not easy and simple. And because of that fact, the entire world is wrapped up in this. It is not a U.S. problem. It is a worldwide problem. Now, for here, yes, it will affect how you vote. Okay, so what? But if you're in a country, a third world country, which I hate the term, so I won't use it again, a country that just isn't as wealthy or even half as wealthy or a third of wealthy or a tenth of wealth as the United States, Countries like that who depend on imports almost exclusively because they just don't make the products in their particular countries, well, how do you think they are? When inflation affects us here and we're worried about it and how do we, how do we really complain, we take it out on the politician. There, what are they to do? They go without. And these are the issues that really plague the world economy and what most people who are leaders in countries think about. Now, obviously... For us here in the U.S., we have, a, even in the poorest sense, we have availability of items. Now, one thing that, that has always pushed the economy is the availability of items at a cheaper price. Think Walmart. Think Sam's Club. Think uh, Sears and Roebuck. Think, you know, these are historical companies that brought the price, price of goods down because they offered a plentiful amount and a one-stop shop way to go. Amazon is, uh, or eBay, or, you know, Alibaba, or uh, Google, all these large companies that bring to you instant access to goods is why prices still remain low. I mean, a company like Amazon, everybody knows, they do their own logistics. They deliver their own packages. You don't have to go from that to UPS or FedEx or uh, uh, GHS, any of these companies deliver goods. No, they do it themselves. And because of that fact that cheap goods exist, that's what drives the world economy because all of these products are made from really all over. There is no one thing that's made in one place anymore. And because of that global, what they call supply chain, again, it's just because I get my raw materials from over here and I get my finished product over here and they wrap it and package it here and the distribution centers are A, B, and C, yeah, all that coming together at a cheap price is really driving and has driven U.S. consumers, um, I mean, to buy more goods than you can imagine. Is there a person out there who doesn't have several closets full of stuff that they haven't even used or touched or or anything? No, because we're, we're, we're a consumer nation. This is what we do. Whether it's gas because we want to drive around here in California, or whether it's, you know, a couple of snowblowers because you live in Vermont and you just need two. Everybody has two. Just the way it is, and that's how it is. Now, countries that are like that, obviously the EU is like that. Europe is like that. They may not buy as much, but they certainly buy enough. And if you're talking about wine, if you're talking about cheese, if you're talking about other consumer goods, they lead the world. And it's funny, Daryl, I, I heard today on the radio that beer uh, production and consumption is trying to get back to where it was pre-pandemic, but they've had, again, a supply side issue with barley. Well, my understanding is that uh, during the uh, pandemic that uh, the drinking went up quite a bit, you know, because there was not, not much else to do. You couldn't leave the house and Right. So the consumption is, is way high, and they're just trying to say, you know, have demand meet supply somewhere along the way. Yeah, and I think it does. The problem is, as I said, some of the raw materials that you're using to make beer. So InBev, which is the largest beer maker in the world, uh, they bought Budweiser, as everybody knows, here in the U.S., but they own several large brands around the world. They've just came out with, I guess it was Thursday, uh, price is going to go up on all their beers, but I think a buck a beer or a buck a I don't know something, but it's a lot. It's a bit pretty significant that's a, jump. That's a big number considering a beer is probably what a yeah five or six yeah. bucks maybe. So it goes up twenty percent. That's that's inflation, folks. Your beer is going up, and when that affects certain consumers, they're not going to be happy about it. But again, it's available because you can afford it. In China, 
Is it available? Well, we'll have to wait and see. I think, and I'm maybe I'm really overly pessimistic, but I think that particular economy is in huge trouble because of these problems they're having with their builders and the debt that they haven't been able to pay off. Let's go through some quick headlines here. The tapering seen outpacing Fed with a trillion dollars in cuts. That means that, yes, we have taper. However, the Fed and the Treasury, they're going to cut programs based on what they're currently supplying as funds to the economy by a trillion bucks. Those two things together are going to cause inflation to pause. Because once you stop fueling the economy with money, people are going to stop spending the money, loans are going to be tighter to get, and your interest rates are going to go up, which again is going to cool consumption. The Evergrade, everybody knows about Evergrande. Evergrande crisis, central China real estate, Yango Group makes last-ditch efforts to avoid bond defaults as Beijing piles on the pressure. Okay, so the Chinese central government said, the, the owners of these companies, they have to pay off the debt. Well, if you're, you know, three, four hundred billion in debt, nobody's got that kind of money. Not even uh, Elon Musk has those kind of money. Hey, we got about a minute left. Let's go through these. Uh, U.S. real estate struggles mount for Chinese developer. Okay, Oceanwide here in the U.S. has several, probably more like 20 different projects around the country which have forestalled and are going into foreclosure. One in Chicago, Philadelphia, Miami, all of these are, um, I guess, uh, their fallout from what's happening in China with Evergrande. And let's see. Yes, the Citigroup uh, City CEO, Chinese economy has come off the boil, meaning that their particular growth rate, which they were predicting at 7.9%, then down to 5.4%, we're probably going to be low in the low 5% range. And for Chinese economy, which has been... <laughs> On fire for the last 10 years, any double-digit growth on a yearly basis, that's a big thing. That cooling, coupled with what's happening with inflation, is going to affect mortgage interest rates next year. Guarantee it. I'm Jeff Barton, your voice in the mortgage industry. We'll see you next time. You're listening to The Mortgage Voice with Jeff Barton. For more on today's topic, visit www.malibufunding.net.